Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today, I am chatting with my friend, Summer Anderson, and she is the managing director at ZRG Partners, an executive recruiting firm. Now, what I love about Summer Anderson is that she is so thoughtful when it comes to talking about communications because she has done a ton of research in terms of how the mind and what you say connects to each other. And how does that relate to building trust and great communications? Some of the things we're going to be touching upon today is how can you think about building good communication habits to advance your career? How do you build that trust through excellent communication skills? And how can you build that trust with your team to spark innovation? We have a lot to talk about. Summer Anderson has a book that just came out called Start Within. So be sure to check that out because her book dives into all the things we're going to be talking about in a lot more detail. So let's get started with my chat with Summer on building trust and great communications. Hi, Summer. How are you doing? Hi, doing great. Thanks so much for this. This is just such a great opportunity to be on your show. So happy that you are here. And just so you know, Summer, we have over 100 people who are tuning in live right now from all over the world. So I I did a quick intro of who you are, but I'd just love to hear from you. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and of course, this amazing book that you have. Thank you. I've been in executive search for over 25 years. Um, I am so pleased to be at ZRG today. I sold my firm in 19 to them, and what an incredible ride. Um, having colleagues all over the world is really an incredible thing, particularly when the culture is as good as it is at CRG. Um, so, but, you know, the thing was, is when I was earlier on in my career, having lots of clients and loads of conversations with many executives, the key thing that I learned is that there's a huge amount of cultural poverty in corporate America, meaning that there's bad behavior. <laughs> and we see this in the news regularly, right? So there was a part of me that wanted to understand what's going on and how do we go about building trust in a better way and communicate better? How can we, what's the, what's the secret sauce? And what I found is that this is all tied back to our biology, which was helpful and hopeful because it means that there are some simple things that we can do to make sure that we're congruent with who we intend to be. The way that we get there is through being purpose-driven. And so when we're clear on what we want to do and what we're up to, then everyone can count on us being congruent to that purpose. So that's that's the upshot. So that was the inspiration that essentially was like, wait a second, I need to put this all into a book because I'm sure you've learned so much throughout your career of like, wait a second, there really is a way to go about this. And I love that you incorporate neuroscience actually into this book, which we're going to dive into in a little bit. So just so you know, Summer, 
we have an audience here who like loves to learn. So I always try to make this Soulcast Media Live as educational as possible. Mm -hmm. I always hope that people who are watching walk away with some golden nuggets is what I like to call them. Some golden nuggets that they can walk away with and apply into their own career. Because I, my, I believe everybody who's watching this cares about career success, you know, trying to get in their foot in the door or whatever it is, but we all care. So I feel like finding these golden nuggets in these conversations is really my hope. So to start off with this topic of building trust, Summer, is building trust easy in the workplace? How can we even go about building trust? And more importantly, why is it important to have in the workplace? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. You know, yes, there are some simple things you can do. And there's a couple of questions I'd also want everyone to ask themselves. One, the first one is, have I been trustworthy? That's really important. And is there something about my story that I need to change? Because when when we choose a different story or a new path that is really purpose-driven and other-centered, you immediately gain trust. Particularly when it's not just pablum, you're not just talking. There's a plan and you start to take action and then you start leaning into that action or those actions and that person that you intend to become daily. So it's a moment by moment kind of situation where at the end of it, you have all of these micro habits that you formed that add up to who you intend to become. Even if you aren't that person today, you're moving in that direction. And when you fall, going back and establishing, gee, I'm sorry, I missed the mark. That right there is vulnerability. And that is a huge help in the direction of trust. I, I, I'm actually a big fan of learning too. And I, to write this book, I probably read 40 books. And so you'll hear me talk about a lot of different authors. They're not all my ideas. In fact, what I find is that being able to synthesize information is probably the one thing I've learned over the years, because there's lots of little disparate pieces that come together. And that's what I did in this book. I took neuroscience that's been researched by PhDs and folks that are really smarter than I am and put that into a methodology, which is how do we get to trust? You got to be trustworthy. And in order to be trustworthy, everyone needs to know what you're about. And that means that you are purpose-driven. Purpose-driven. I feel like that is such a loaded word, purpose-driven. And I feel like most of us, you know, I'm curious, and actually, if you have thoughts and, you know, these those who are listening, throw it in the chat function. When you think of the word purpose-driven, my word that I think about is being very intentional, being very intentional with how I go about communicating with others, engaging with others. But for many of us who are just going about our day every single day, right, how can we be more intentional with our daily work? Because a lot of us are just checking off to-dos on our list. So what are your tips on being purpose-driven, being intentional? Any thoughts there? This is actually my favorite conversation to have with executives. And usually when folks are, are pointed in our direction in my, in my function, they are looking for what's next. They're trying to figure it out. And they think they know most of the time, here's what I wanna do. And my favorite question is, have you written it down? Have you written your vision? And 95% of the time, regardless of that person's station in life or their level of seniority, the answer is, well, yeah, sort of. 
but not really. And what happens, the great thing about when we are clear on our purpose, in our minds, we think it's clear until we start to talk about it. And then we realize, oh, not clear at all. And unless we actually put it down on paper and create the language, we can't really communicate it to others. We can't be clear about what it is we're up to. And so there's a process that I'm recommending in the book. And that starts with using neuroscience to get to that. So a, a quick primer about what that is. When we are operating in alpha, and alpha is, they are these long sweeping brain waves that we have been able to see inside of folks that are operating in the zone, pro athletes, executives that are presenting, what have you. They're presenting from a place of being in the flow. And you've got lots of great, you know, oxygen rich blood going to your brain if you're in the flow. Conversely, if you're in high beta, which looks a little bit like this, your heart rate and your brain waves are a little bit more erratic. Now you're operating in cortisol and adrenaline. And what happens there is your amygdala is firing and your fight or flight is going off. So your spidey sense is up and all of the blood runs out of your brain into your muscles and your heart. And now you're no longer thinking as clearly. So it's really hard to communicate if you're operating in crisis management. So if you're in a really tough meeting and your crisis management is going off, your cortisol and adrenaline is pumping because of the thoughts you're thinking, you're going to have a really hard time coming up with an innovative idea or building trust or thinking about others because you're in self-preservation mode. We want to be uh, operating in alpha for sure. <laughs> we absolutely do. We absolutely do. And then for the purposes of getting to your vision and, the, and your purpose, you want to also drop into something called theta. And theta, low, low beta, by the way, is learning, which is what we're doing right now. And that's a good place to be too. Theta is subconscious. So I'm just, you know, think of, of the last time that you had an aha moment. It might've been in the shower, on the drive home from work, or, you know, cruising around the supermarket that you've been in every single week, <laughs> right? It's when we're an autopilot and our bodies are just going about their business, our brain is free to act and think in a different way. So if you are journaling and you're starting to write questions to yourself about what is it I really want to do? Or when do I feel like I'm in flow? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. That will come to you in those moments when your brain is operating in theta. Interesting. It's also known as subconscious. Go ahead. So I'm, I'm seeing some of the comments that are coming in because I know we were talking about being purpose driven and I do have some follow up questions. I see some folks are writing, reminding myself of my why daily and approaching my day and tasks with intention. Absolutely. Tanya says being intentional also means building fellowship amongst peers and leaders. So how does one go about being more purpose driven? And I know you talked about Everybody should start with writing out their vision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are we talking about, I want a yacht? Is that a vision? <laughs> so what are we talking about here? What's a vision that we can write down that can help with our career? Yeah. So if you are listening to your subconscious and you're asking yourself the big questions, what am I meant to do? These are the big questions. What am I, what is my purpose? 
there will be things that sort of fly in through the side door. And one thing might be, you're great at communicating, Jessica, or you're great at pulling people together, or it might be the other things in your life that fill you up. So I start to write down those as tent pegs. Think about them as the four corners of your purpose. And those are words that kind of help to earmark you in terms of what you're going to say yes to. And if it's not there, but it's coming your way and it's really exciting, more money or something else, you might want to say no because it's outside of your purpose. So it gives you a litmus test mm -hmm. of this is what good looks like. And when I'm outside of my, my purpose or my zone, I don't really want to play there. And I'm going to reserve the right to wait for the right thing. Once you've got the tent pegs organized, what you need is colorful language. So why, why is that important? We'll go back to neuroscience for a second. We have our limbic brain, which is sort of at the base of our skull back here. And we'll call that the elephant. Um, this is a, it's actually a really great metaphor that comes out of the book, the happiness hypothesis. But the, that part of the brain is a little bit like an elephant because it is passionate. It's unwieldy at times. It can upend a marketplace, <laughs> right? Without a moment's notice. And it can also do some incredible things. It can move trees out of its path. What is, go ahead. Oh no, I was just actually, I wanted to just pull in some of the folks that are uh, typing in their comments. Paul just wrote, I sometimes journal, but never thought of writing questions to myself. So I'm happy that this conversation is sparking how we can even go about reflecting on, on being more purpose-driven. So continue, Summer. Yeah, yeah. So if, if we can engage the elephant, the elephant, if the elephant can see and understand and experience, because that's where we experience everything in our limbic system, what the next five years looks like, and there's a clear plan, we're using the writer, which is our prefrontal cortex, the writer's a lot smaller, well, not physically, but just in terms of, you know, the occupation or the, of, of um, our, our minds, if you will. It's a lot smaller than that elephant. But if the writer is really clear about what you're up to, what your purpose is, it can pull that elephant right back to, this is what we're doing. And the elephant can say, oh yeah, and I'm passionate about it. The way that we get there is with colorful language. So I want you all to put your Hemingway on <laughs> and write it, write that, you know, day in a life, four to five years out, as if you were describing sunshine on a lake. I want you to experience it. I want you to bathe in it. And what happens is your body gets excited about what's coming. The great thing is your brain doesn't know the difference between what's happening and what's imagined. Hmm. Interesting. So the more that you exercise that, be thinking about what, what is it I want, I'm wanting to pursue as a purpose. Okay. Now we can marry this up. Now we can create the next steps and the, the nose as well. Does this match up? And if I'm reading my vision and it talks about what I'm doing, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, in the night, am I showing up for my kids, for my employer, for my clients in the way I intend? 
And when I fall down, I have to go back and fix it and try again. When we're operating there, our clients and our families, they see us, they know, they know when we're being counterfeits and they begin to trust us more. Why is being purpose-driven related to building trust in the workplace? It is, it's so integral because if I say, this is who I intend to be, and I own my stuff when I don't do, or I'm not congruent with that person, I'm trust. I'm trustworthy because I see where I'm falling down and I'm owning it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to fix it. Trust breaks when someone says, I'm, this is who I'm becoming. And then they don't do what they say. That's the lack of integrity. And without integrity, we can't trust. That's very interesting because I'm sure a lot of us have dealt with people who either seem really wishy-washy, right? And that's not conducive to building trust. Or this person will say, okay, as a team, we're going to do this one thing, or we're going to pilot this initiative whatever it is, but they don't follow through. And if you're a leader and you're saying these things to your team and you don't follow through, you're not building trust with your team. You're not carrying yourself as a leader where people can feel that they can trust how you're going to lead them. So I think tying it all back together, this is why we're talking about being very clear with your vision, being very clear with your purpose. So one of the questions that just came up that I do want to address is somebody was asking about this theta thoughts that you talked about. Yeah. Do the theta thoughts come later after the journaling or do they come while you're journaling? How does it all work? And remind folks what theta thoughts are again. Yeah. So think of theta thoughts like your subconscious. It's your intuition. It's the stuff you know, but you just need to be quiet enough to hear it. It's that small, still voice. Usually we don't get those ahas unless our body is operating in autopilot. And so you've had this happen, right? You've been mulling over a problem at work and you, you're crunching on it. So your, your brain is going to town on it in all kinds of functions. You've researched it. You've read about it. You've talked to others. You're, you've been in low beta, high beta, even in alpha. But you haven't been quiet enough to just get you know, quiet to, to listen. When we use that part of our bodies, it's like, oh, well, of course that's the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's apparent to everybody else when we start talking about it too. So go ahead. So I want to do a really quick reset. We have over 140 people who are joining oh. us right now, which is so fantastic. And for those who just jumped on, I want to welcome you. I'm here with my friend, Summer Anderson, and we're talking about building trust in the workplace and how that marries with communications, which we're going to dive into in just a little bit. But again, if anybody has any questions or comments as Summer and I are talking about building trust in the workplace, building trust amongst our peers, please throw it into the function, uh, into the chat function. One of the questions that came up that I want to answer is from Tanya. Would you say your purpose and your core values are one and the same? Purpose and core values, same or different? Very very much the same. Because if the things I believe in and I'm passionate about, my elephant's all in. If I'm half-hearted about that purpose, vision, and my core, you know, it's you're, you're diverging. So it has to add up to a future that you're really excited about. And that has to align with everything, 
right? Not just who you are as a professional, but who are you personally and relationally and socially and spiritually and physically? How are you exercising? How are you caring for your body? All of that has to kind of get wrapped into it. Otherwise, so what happens is we wind up leaving the people we love behind, right? The, the people that got us to where we are and also the people that are going to celebrate with you when you arrive. I want to take a bird's eye view of this idea of building trust right now in the workplace. So a lot of us, perhaps we can relate to, I don't trust this one colleague, mm. or I don't know if my boss trusts me. So these are just kind of like thoughts that perhaps some of us have throughout our working day mm -hmm. or week or whatever. So how can somebody build more trust with their team? Yeah. Like how can they, I know we talked about being purpose driven and I think that kind of takes more of that. You need to find quiet time to really think about yourself, but let's talk about when we're busy, we're doing our work every day, we're going in and out, we're having meetings. How can I tackle building trust even like on zoom, you know, for example, things like that, any suggestions when it comes yeah. to that? So Brendan Burchard is a wonderful coach. Um, in fact, he put together a study that encapsulated, like, I want to say 500,000 participants across multiple universities. And he looked at what do high performers do? One of the things he talks about is congruence and competence. And that it's actually this like sort of elliptical, you know, never ending cycle. When we are able to be competent or competent drives confidence and that can also drive congruence. So those three things come together. Okay. Competence gives you confidence, which, which what was the last part? Which also congruence is in there. So congruence is the passion or the purpose that's running through there. And that's my ad, right? He talks about competence and confidence. So the more that we practice, the more we own our stuff, the more that we get our the votes of confidence from our team because they see, mm -hmm. wow, you are progressing. You weren't able to do that before. And I'll give you more a real example. Let's just say we get feedback from a client or from your boss and you integrate that feedback immediately and write an email about it and say, here's what I learned. There's a couple of things. Message received, I gotcha, I hear you. I'm aware enough to know where it's placed or should be you know, practiced, which brings up the confidence in you from that boss, from that client. Wow, you heard me and you're actually doing something about it and I see it. Now you probably wouldn't do this with a client, but for a boss, you would, right? The client sees that you got more concise overnight. What, oh, wow. Our calls that used to be 45 minutes are now 20. Yeah, she heard me. Does that help? It does. Okay, good. One thing that I want to add when it comes to trusting communications, and because this is communications is what I want to focus on right now, is I always have felt that being proactive in your communications is part of building trust with your team. You don't want to be the type of employee where people are chasing after you for a response, for answers, for updates. I've always, when I work with clients, I always encourage them to 
be more proactive in your communications, perhaps even over-communicate, but we're not talking about writing essays in an email. FYIs are magic. People appreciate FYIs because it shows that you're on top of it and therefore people can trust you. One other thing, um, I was actually talking to one of my friends who is the dean at a college over in Colorado, and she was saying how communicating the process of things can help your team trust you. So what does that mean? That means if you can share what's been going on, the good and the bad, you're letting your team essentially know how it is that you work so that they'll know that they can trust you because they feel like they understand you. I do feel like trust and understanding goes hand in hand too, because a lot of times trust or mistrust happens when people are left in the dark. So that's why proactive communications, looping your team into your process or what's going on, here's an update, here's an FYI. These are real tangible things I think anybody can do to build trust within their team. Is there anything that you'd like to add with that, Summer? Yeah, I, I think that's really good. I, I like that a lot. When um, when great communication happens inside of an organization, if it's an organization of two or 200,000, it's really important that everybody understands what your values are, what drives your why, how you make decisions, and then kind of the process by which you use to kind of drive it so that they can replicate it and get it right. Nobody wants to be wrong or, or disappoint, right? Mm -hmm. So the clearer we are in communicating exactly as you said it is so, so key. Mm -hmm. Tanya saying trust, understanding and transparency. I mean, it's so true. It goes hand in hand. So I would love to kind of get some comments from those who are watching right now. You know, think back to a scenario, perhaps, where maybe there was some mistrust happening. You know, share with us, you know, what that, you know, brief scenario was. And, you know, was it a project? Was it an initiative? You know, whatever it is, let us know where you may have sensed that mistrust happening within your workplace. And, you know, Summer and I can help chime in on any thoughts about that. So, in terms of the neuroscience behind building trust. So when I hear that there's like neuroscience behind it, to me, it makes me feel, oh, does that mean that trust is something that we can continuously work on or is it set in stone? Is it something we can continue to build? Or and how tangible is this? Yeah, it's. I would say it's very fluid. But once it's lost, getting it back is really tough, right? Mm -hmm. Rebuilding that. So starting the way you intend to continue and beginning with the end in mind is really key. Stephen Covey did a really good job of frame, framing that one up. So I would say that if you've lost trust, owning the misdemeanor or felony is really important, right? And it doesn't fully reset. There's still some work to be done. However, you're on your way. I think too, this is also, there's a lot of grace in the world over this, yeah. right? So if others have also fallen down alongside you and you own your stuff before they own theirs, they see you, they know. So you're actually gaining trust in a situation where maybe both of you broke trust, but you're going first. And that's a not, I know that feels a little vulnerable, but there's 
a lot of strength and vulnerability. If you read anything about what Brene Brown has to say about this, we are all about kind of knitting those two things together. We trust people who are transparent with us. I work with a lot of um, executives who are very external facing, right? And one of the things that I always talk to them about when it comes to external communications, where you're the face of your company is what you just said, Summer, it's owning your mistakes. And this, of course, doesn't just is not only relevant to executives, but, you know, for example, I used to be a journalist. So we would interview politicians, for example, who made a mistake. And the ones that were often looked much more favorably were those who owned their mistakes up front versus trying to cover it. They were very transparent. And I think that goes hand in hand with building trust. Now, there's a very interesting question from Ezekiel. Is there a time when lying is necessary? White lies? I don't know. Can that help? What are your thoughts on this, Summer? Probably not. <laughs> if, if trust is the outcome you're really going for, white lies can really destroy things because you just, uh, I'm thinking of a couple of situations to be, even if you're just being covert, you're omitting the truth. That's still not trustworthy, right? It, and trying to cover it up never gets you to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. I would definitely echo that. And I think, you know, when it comes to communications, which is what we always talk about here, I think it's a lot of it's just like angling the way you approach talking about your mistake. I absolutely think owning your mistake is very, very important. But what you can do is you can talk about how it got to that place, right? So you can allow people to understand why that mistake happened. You missed a deadline, right? I mean, it happens or you made a mistake on a very important deck right? If you can communicate the process that happened before that mistake happened, people will generally be a lot more forgiving. And I, I agree with you, Summer. I feel like, you know, I like to think more positively of society that like people are generally more understanding than not. If you own your mistakes, explain the process and approach it that way, people will be pretty forgiving. And I think that's really important to building trust. Um, okay. One question that I wanted to talk about is how can you get your boss to trust you more. <laughs> and I think this is a, perhaps this is something that, you know, we think about on the, you know, when we're navigating the politics of work, right? When we're dealing with people, how can you get your boss to trust you with the bigger projects, right? You know, those bigger career changing projects. How do you prove to them that you're trustworthy and you are a warrior on your team? It's funny because, you know, usually what your boss most needs is people that are going to step up and make things happen. So if you are angling for a project that it might be a little bit of a stretch, remember that where you are has its own challenges. Just kill it right where you are. If, if you are taking initiative above and beyond the project you're on, meaning first take care of the basics, mm -hmm. cover all your bases. And then if there's a way to innovate coming out of that, share that idea with your boss, share that idea with others. You know, check it. Don't do it just by yourself, but gather some, uh, I don't know, agreement. And make sure it's not just your idea. It needs to be our idea, right? If you have two or three that are leaning in the direction of new innovation coming out of this project, hey, we, we failed at this, and then we learned this, and we think we could do that, 
this new thing that's going to be better for all future projects. And everyone on the team that you've talked to is bought in. Now take that back to your boss. Guess what will happen? Everyone will feel empowered, excited, and the boss will figure out, you don't necessarily have to tell them where the idea came from. Stepping up. Just step up right where you are and then ask for more. Once you've done a good job, hey, I'd like to do this again. What else have you got that needs to be solved? How else can I help? When you're helpful and you're solving problems and you're taking things off their plate that they badly want to get rid of, you will be appreciated. That is such an important golden nugget. And I understand how people are always like, oh, I have so many things I have to do. I have so many projects. I have a long to-do list. But I always think you have to work smarter, right? Take on those career strategic work that may not be necessarily in your job description, but if you know that taking on just this small project can alleviate a lot of anxiety or stress on your boss's plate, oh my gosh, that's going to get you so many bonus points. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second. You know, how do you shoehorn your purpose and your vision into your life? How do you do it? The thing is, is we're talking about energy management too. If if you're busy spinning on a problem, guess what? You just lost 15 minutes spinning. But if you're purpose-driven and you've set aside 15 minutes to work on something, make that phone call, um, write the proposal, which would be more like an hour and a half, or you get up early on Saturday mornings. I know I wrote my book on Saturday mornings from like 6.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. before my teenagers got up. If I was not attached to that vision, that purpose, the passion, believe me, I could find all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't get out of bed early on the weekends, right? But if you are clear on what you're up to, you figure out ways to get it done. And your vision could be you want to get into X role, right? That could be a vision. Like you aspire to be in the C-suite level. That can absolutely be something on your vision. And I think once you have that written down, then you'll be a lot more conscious of the time that you have and being mindful of how you're placing that time on any given day. I mean, we all have the same hours every day, right? That's it's right. just how is it that we use it? Alicia is like, yes, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about as we start to wrap up here, which by the way, I can't believe it's just flown by. <laughs> is, you know, if people just want to basically carry themselves better at work, you know, be noticed by their employers, by their boss, so they can get those opportunities at work. Because I think a lot, and I, you know, I work with a lot of folks who say they feel they struggle with not being able to advocate for themselves, not being seen at work. Do you have any tips when it comes to that? And how people, because I know you work with a lot of executives as well, but it's like for those of us who hope to aspire to executive level positions, but perhaps we're not there yet, how can we, those who are watching, do that? Yeah. This is a question I ask often, which is, where's your head? What are you thinking? The thoughts that you think really draw to who you're becoming. So uh, there's, an amazing Chinese philosopher who lived centuries ago. His name is Lao Chao. Chao. And this quote really says it 
watch your thoughts because your thoughts become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your character and watch your character because it becomes your destiny. What you think is what you become. When you're thinking thoughts of, I can do this, I'm excited, I am so on on fire for my vision and for the project in front of me because this is how it fits, your countenance changes. The who you are is really different. And so doing that daily is a practice of minding your thoughts. If you're walking around and worried, that shows up too. The confidence goes down if you're bi- or if you're occupied mentally and can't answer the question fully because you're busy being in, you know, in the crisis management. You've got cortisol and adrenaline jumping. You've got that really critical question coming in from the side door in a meeting and you can't think. You're freezing. Minding your thoughts allows your brain to free up and really operate in alpha. Thoughts are so powerful. And, you know, I was, who was I having a conversation with about this? Sometimes it's hard to stay positive. It just is. Okay. It's just sometimes hard to stay positive when you have people just hounding you and it's just like you have all these deadlines and you're stressed. Uh, who was I talking to? Oh, I think it was my friend Dean. He was saying about, Sometimes when you get a snappy email from somebody, you just want to snap back, right? That's just like a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. But his advice was, if his if your initial gut is to snap back at the other person, go ahead, draft that email, but don't hit send right away. Just keep it in draft mode and then just let it, just let yourself cool down. Sometimes you just need to just write it out and be super snappy. And then that'll help relieve a lot of that <laughs> anger that you have. And then once you have, you know, enough time has passed, go back to the email and then you can, you can maybe I didn't want to use that word. Maybe I didn't want to use such harsh language. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really, that's kind of what reminds me of like your thoughts and having to express anger. Like I, I agree. I think it's completely fine to feel those emotions of anger, frustration. I mean, we're all human. Right. But mm-hmm. I think it's just, do you want other people to be seeing that? And is that going to be conducive and healthy? I'll give you one example. I saw this email recently. I was working with a client and they showed me this email they received from one of their clients and their client was being so mean in that email. And I don't know if it was because they thought they were the client. So they had the right to be mean, but oh my gosh, I just feel like in the end, that's so, I'm just gonna say it was so inappropriate, right? I mean, we're all people in the end. Do you know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. care how angry you are or anything like that. That doesn't help even build trust, right? It's how can you regulate your own emotions, right? When you're dealing with people. So yeah, stepping back, putting your email in a draft function, whatever it is, do what you got to do. So that's what I have to share about that. I see a comment from, well, energy management, purpose-driven. That is so important. Um, I do want to, let's see, if there's any other questions that I want to get to. Oh, before we wrap up here, Summer, I want to get into one other question. So this is from Denise. Do you have any tips for those who are captured on a company restructure and they're cast aside? So basically being cast aside and not being able to be, I guess, be a part of this team. 
So how do you navigate a situation like that, where there's a restructuring happening in a company, you're perhaps pushed to the side, but of course it's important to be part of the team to work together. Any thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would do, I have a bunch of questions for Denise first on just the nature of it, but I'll just kind of do a thumbnail. We don't always understand why things happen, right? And and it's hard to get um, to get beyond the feelings, and we can get stuck in our own self reflection, which can be this sort of rumination. Rumination is a it's purgatory, right? <laughs> We're going nowhere, right there. However, if we get curious, what happens is your body moves from fight or flight or your croc brain, let's just say, because your croc brain is your, your oldest part of your brain, reptilian side of us. You have to get out of that and get curious. And then we move over to oxytocin and dopamine. Huh, what's going on? You just got 100% more powerful. What could I have done differently? I, and you know, I'd like to understand where that team is going or what's the intention? Write down all the questions, even if you're feeling afraid in that moment. Like, what does this mean for me? How does this impact my career? There's all these questions that are really the scary questions. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself the questions that get you thinking differently so that your body and you can feel the shift. You can feel the shift from I'm afraid I, my heart is beating fast to huh. when you get over there. Now you're in a much better place to have a conversation with someone. And don't be afraid to ask those hard questions. What could I have done differently? Or tell me more about what you're up to. You might actually find that there's something else there for you to do that you didn't know about before. But because you're approaching it in a way that's highly positive and curious, rather than accusing and afraid, things can shift. Um, but again, I know that's general and it may not even be the situation, Denise. So sorry. If no, it's not. But I think what you said is right that positive mind shift of going in with curiosity. Yes, you may not be happy with the restructure or where you are currently at at your company, but walk, walk thinking about, okay, but how can I approach it differently? Who can I approach? How can I ask the right questions? You know, I think it kind of starts with that versus feeling like you're in this victim mentality. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, Summer, um, any golden nuggets of what you would like people to walk away with today when it comes to building trust? Yeah. The first thing I'll say is, you know, going back to the, the, wow, I just got this really heated email or I really want to respond. One of the most important bi biological things that you can do when you feel that spike in anger or frustration is breathe. Mm. And I know that sounds really trite, but what happens when we breathe is we are forcing our bodies to slow down and out of high beta and back towards alpha. You may not be there entirely, but you're starting to head the right direction. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, is pause. One of my favorite executives, um, Barbara Hampton is the CEO of Siemens US. And she, she always asks herself a question when there are big looming, let's just say questions <laughs> out there. She'll say, is this for me to, to contend with? Is this my action that's required here? And what else do I need to know? She gets curious. So get curious in the middle of that. And then also, and that's the pause. The last piece is planning. If you're out in front of what's coming or if you're feeling stuck and then you can plan what's next for you, for the business, whatever it might be, you're operating in low beta, which is a lot better than high beta. 
and you can flip yourself out of that and get to a place where you're getting curious again. I want to thank everybody who joined in today for my conversation with Summer Anderson. If you guys have not heard or checked out her book yet, please do. It's called Start Within. And I just want to thank everybody for taking the time, your afternoon, your morning, your evening, wherever it is you're dialing in from, and spending the time with us where we talked about building trust and communications. If there was any one last piece of advice I could share with everybody, a golden nugget for them to walk away with in regards to this topic, I think when it comes to building trust, you know, the more proactive you are in, in terms of your communications, proactive in your approach in the workplace, I think these are the fun, foundational building blocks that can help you build trust within your team and with your company, proactive communications. So Summer, where can people find you and get connected with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also check out my book, which is the website is start within now, one word, dot com. We host Soulcast Media Live events about every two weeks or so. So we have another one coming up in mid-June. So for those who have not RSVP for that event, go to our website because we have the event posted there. Our events are all about communications and helping folks level up their communications because we believe it's one of the most important skills for business success, regardless of wh whatever level you are at. One other thing I wanted to share with everybody, we are opening our Soulcast Media membership for folks to join. And this is a monthly communications membership here at Soulcast Media, where you guys get to work with me every month on a new communications topic. And we've launched this a few years ago and people love it. It's a brand new communications topic every month. So for those who are interested, it's also on our website, Soulcast Media. Again, thank you everybody. And we will see you all soon. Thank you, Summer, for spending your early afternoon with us. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one -on -one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out and happy communicating.